Well, hello there and welcome to my corner of the digital universe. Prepare to dive deep, get real, get close, and find out entirely too much about people you likely do not even know. My name is Jeremy Griffin, and these are my conversations. So grab a coffee and get comfortable, because here we go. You're listening to the Stream Grace Network. All right. So the last episode, if you guys are listening chronologically, you listen to me visit with Brian and Krista or with Rachel Burchett about uh, police and, and being in law enforcement in today's culture. But today we switch gears and uh, this is exciting for me. My, my guest today, I actually have two guys on uh, John Leach. John, say hello. Howdy. There he is. And Randy Renner. Randy. Duty. There it is. <laughs> So today, what, why I'm excited about this, I've, I've actually, John, I've had you on my list to do this podcast mm-hmm. since before we started the podcast. Um, and uh, I had a bunch of Oklahoma City Thunder people on in the beginning, uh, Paige and Mario. There it is, a bunch. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's a couple. More <laughs> than a one. Couple. <laughs> um, no, but I had them on. And so I was like, okay, I want to give some space because uh, of your role in uh, and I actually think uh, one of the reasons that was great, you know, Randy and I just recorded our podcast, Scatter Shooting, shameless plug, Scatter Shooting, you can check it out on stringgrace.com. Uh, but we just recorded that like an hour ago. And uh, Randy has been covering the Thunder since they've been in town as a sports reporter. Oh, yeah. yeah I thought you looked familiar. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've kind of eased off here in this age of COVID. Well, right. Uh, yeah. But yeah, from the time that the team moved to town, Dan Mahoney, who... I'd know I've known for 30 years, you know, contacted me and said, Hey, would you be interested in writing some stuff about the new team? So for a while I sort of actually worked for the Oklahoma city thunder. Nice. That's crazy. And then, uh, you know, and then covered them through iHeart and, and, uh, and all like that. And I've, I've backed away from it a, a little bit because of COVID and some of the restrictions and mostly because to be quite honest, cause no one's paying you to cover it. Well, <laughs> that might yeah, be a stretch. Really, technically, nobody's ever paid me to go, except for the Thunder. You know, <laughs> they true. paid me. Hey, but, I gave you, know, you an iPad. Let's be well, real. Well, that's true. Yeah, you did do that. Yes, <laughs> but I mean, mainly, I, I'm not going down there because it's 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 just not fun for me. <laughs> not because of anything with the team, but because I what I enjoyed about covering the Thunder was being able to go to practice to meet the players, get to know the players, the coaches, go to the game, interact with fans, be a part of all of that. A lot of that's changed. A lot of that has changed. (laughs) And it's just not the same with nobody in the arena and doing an interview via a Zoom call. Right, yeah. Well, you're not the only one that misses all of those things. Right. Yeah, you probably probably (laughs) miss, certainly the fans. Uh, My job is to put on the show and uh, make people happy and have a good time and and make it a great experience, not only for the the fans in the stands, but also the players as they're playing basketball, give them the best, you know, environment to be successful. And yeah, it it is a little harder without fans. I will Mm -hmm. say that. But you know what? We're doing it and we're doing it the best we can to make sure that these guys, you know, have at least an idea of what it's going to be like next October, hopefully when we, uh, when we open the doors, quote unquote normal. And this, before we get too deep into this, because I do want you to talk a little bit, John, about your, your specific role at the Thunder. I mean, we just talked about it, but, but your, your official title and, and, uh, and then kind of your experience leading up to that. So what is your title? I always call you uh, the wrong thing. (laughs) 
every time. So it's I, usually I think, it's usually during oh, an argument too. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's hard to say. I've, ne- I've been called a lot of things too. <laughs> I definitely have to bleep it usually when I no. So you are are you the entertainment director? Is that's wrong? What is I'm it? the director of events and entertainment. So I was close. Yeah. And you know how I got? I had to look at my credential to figure it out because that was events and entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. That's what we are. Um. So you've been doing that for the Thunder since they've been in Oklahoma City, since before, right? You right. were in Seattle. I was in Seattle uh, for a season, and then I came to Oklahoma City, and I've been here since 08. Yeah, and so where were you before that? Oh, this is a long story. It is a long how, story. How long is this podcast? Oh, I didn't start the clock, but it's an hour. Oh, okay. So Good. we got time. We got time. Well, it all started back in Houston, Texas. Um, I was the um, – actually, I worked in radio, Randy. You know, and Jeremy in, Houston, in Houston, in Houston, yeah, top ten market, everybody. There it is. <laughs> Throw the radio voice on. Uh, no, I wait. W- hold on. <laughs> We're gonna go back a little ways. So back when you worked in Houston, <laughs> I was in radio, and I did uh, I did overnights at the time. And the Rockets called and said, "Hey, uh, we'd love to love to have uh, somebody come and do music for our games and uh, help bring it to life." And uh, I was like, "I'll do it." And so it was me and another guy, actually our production manager, we'd go and kind of tag team. And I, I worked my first full season for the Rockets and not, and I didn't get paid, Randy. So you and I have something. Oh, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> but I did it really for the experience. And, you know, I loved basketball and um, the team was really good. And we happened to win a championship that year, uh, 94, 95. And uh, I got a ring. My boss, even though oh, I wasn't officially cool. on the payroll, he, he made sure I got a ring. That's and, awesome. And it's been sitting in a closet ever since. You know, I stuck it out with the Thunder as long as I did because I was hoping for a ring. Well, and we would have gotten you one there. Oh, uh, really? Uh, now yeah. you're saying that now. It's easy to say. <laughs> <laughs> we totally would have got you we one. We don't. I mean, some teams do. I yeah. mean, some teams get every employee. I, you know, I've never, you worked for the Rockets. I've never been a, I've never really been a Rockets fan at all. When I was a kid, Actually, I was, uh, well, not a kid because it didn't exist, but (laughs) when I was in college, I was a big Spurs fan because I could hear their games on radio from WOAI. I was a Spurs fan, but I bring up Houston because uh, from as early as I could understand baseball, I was an Astros fan. Oh, yeah. And I'm still an Astros fan. Me too. So there you go. I'm a fan of all Houston sports except for the Rockets. (laughs) <laughs> right, of course. Um, I actually, uh, so I, I started doing those games, and you know, that was way, way back then, and both of you guys spent time in radio uh, when we used carts. Oh, mm. sure, yeah. Yeah, and so. I go all the way back to vinyl. Yeah, buddy. there you go. All of our music uh, for the game nights, and even sound effects and stuff we played came off of carts, mm. and it was right about the time that um, uh, John Jackson, who's with the Portland Trailblazers, who also owned Game Ops Commander, uh, created the computer program that was like a clip server, basically, that played the sound effects and songs just by clicking a button on your computer screen. It would play that specific track. And they programmed that, and uh, we bought it and started using that, and it certainly made our lives a lot easier. And it made the game night experience that much better because you added so much more flavor to the to the evening. You know, you could add the little sound effects and, you know, just little punch punch and things. These are some things I want to talk about a little bit because my first experience with any kind of sports uh, entertainment, anything was basically with the Thunder. I think I started at the arena when it was called the Ford Center, which we'll talk about, I'm sure, at some point today because now it's the Chesapeake Arena, but that's going away. So 
when I started there, I was working with the uh, ice hockey team, the Blazers. And that was my, my technically my very first experience was actually with, with Josh and, uh, the Pelicans or actually the Hornets at the time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. When they were displaced, <clears throat> but, um, but that's the first time I saw any of these game things, but here's what I found so interesting. Cause that my experience is limited. Um, the thunder has won some pretty significant awards for their entertainment side of what they do. Can you talk about that a little bit yeah. without bragging? I mean, cause you know, you're kind of the guy on that. Well, you know what? I, as much as I'd love to take all the credit, um, it really It was takes, the great sound guy you had. Yeah, it's the it? sound guy. <laughs> it's, it's actually a great partnership between the production itself and the fans. Yeah. And we certainly couldn't have uh, created that experience if it wasn't for our passionate fans and the people that come to the building that are fully engaged and they know the basketball game and they know the players and they're really engaged in how our team is supposed to perform. They they appreciated Nick Collison taking a charge, whereas right. most fans don't even care. They're like, oh, he's got his way. Yeah. Now our fans know <laughs> right. our, our fans know that actually yeah. is good. Yeah. Right. Um, and uh, and so it was a, it, it's it's been fun you know I, I tell the story of my first game that we did here it was a preseason game and um, it was so weird because it was the fans were I mean the building was full for one and then you know we had nothing the building really didn't have what we needed to put on a, an NBA show it was it was like you know it was like fighting with with one of your hands tied behind your backs but but we had the fans there and we had the team on the court, which was basically the <laughs> two, two big main components. That you right. need. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, we, uh, we were going into the fourth quarter and I remember looking at our announcer at the time and I said, Hey, uh, why don't you have them stand up, uh, uh, to start the fourth quarter just to, j- just to get them, uh, you know, hyped up and, you know, show the team that they're here supporting them. And, you know, and they stood up and, and so we're going about our stuff. And I think it was probably about eight minutes on the clock. I'm kind of looking at my, my thing. And I wasn't really paying attention at that time to what the crowd was doing. And I, or I just kind of gotten zoned, zoned into what I was doing. And I look up and they were all still standing up and it, <laughs> it was a preseason game. And I'm like, yeah. I love it here. I, I, I mean, that was the first, you know, real, like, I love these people and, and they're going to, they're going to love this, this team and this game. And we're going to hopefully make the best of it for, for them. And, and ever since then, they've been just really, mm-hmm. really engaged. And that, again, is what makes my job easy. And, uh, you know, we, we obviously don't want to rest on our laurels. We're always looking to improve and add new um, new experiences and, and, you know, elements. And we're always updating our videos. And, you know, some teams go through an entire season without changing their intro video for the players <laughs> when they do intros and, and we they change, change it, all the time. Yeah, we change it like monthly. Yeah. And, uh, and so those are things that we do that we, you know, to, to kind of create this good experience in, in the Chesapeake arena. And again, yes, we have been widely recognized as one of, uh, one of the best, uh, experiences in professional sports and constantly by our own season ticket members get rated, uh, you know, top three, uh, in game night experience. Uh, and, and so it's, it's, it's good. I mean, it's, it's an honor to, to be here in this market in, in Oklahoma city with such passionate fans and then mm-hmm. such a great organization that is, uh, that's really not just looking to put a good basketball team on the court, but also to put a, a good basketball team together. That's really part of the community. Yeah. That's something that stuck out to me significantly early on, uh, was, uh, when Brian talked to the whole crew, 
right? And mm-hmm. and and for those of you who listen who don't know, I, I know you probably know, but uh, ran sound for the team up until this season, basically. Um, I remember him talking about, and and again, I go into it so like blind. I knew nothing about basketball at all, right? <laughs> but he said we're not always going to have Kevin Durant. We're not always going to have Russell Westbrook. I remember specifically talking about that, and uh, but we're always going to have a good show. And he basically just laid out, you know, how important it was that we put on a good, entertaining show. And I think that's something that I, it's easy for me to take for granted because it's my only practical. And I remember going to, and I won't name them, but going to other professional sports um, games and just sitting in the arena going like, this is it, Yeah, (laughs) you know, because I'm used, you know, for those of you who've never been to a Thunder game, my goodness, man, it's nonstop. 100 miles an hour. It is. I mean, we have... Uh, and I'll still say we, I'm still technically an employee. I, I was believe. about to say, what do you got a mouse in your pocket? Yeah. I was gonna, <laughs> until you guys actually give me my letter of termination, I'm still on staff. <laughs> hey, you've already, you, you've quit a couple of times anyway. I've quit a bunch back, of so, times. So you're always welcome back, Jeremy. <laughs> yes. you're, 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 you're the one that built the sound at the arena. Well, so. that was, uh, yeah. Wow. That's I know it's That's nice. Did I give you too much credit there? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I well, did not it build good. it, but and I, I'll take that. <laughs> For all those listening who want to hire me as a sound contractor, yes, I built the sound theory. I mean, I mean, just <laughs> listen to us now. Exactly, it's pretty nice. And this isn't even my voice. It's just it's I weird. Know. You normally sound like a four-year-old girl. Yeah, I do. Thank it's, you. That's the best part. <laughs> no, but I had such great times. And here's what I'm going to say about my time with the Thunder, which I'm staying. You know, it's still there, but. Um, but obviously because I started the string brace network, started in the podcasting and just got really busy in my life. We've talked about this, but, but you know, the thing is, man, it's such positive memories and, and the relationships, the friendships, I think that the authenticity, and this one I want to speak to about Oklahoma city. I'm a native Oklahoman. And this is something that I think is so valuable about our city is that what, what do they say, Randy, we're the biggest little city in the world kind of thing. Yes. Small town kind of vibe. Right, right. Yeah. We have we have roughly a million people in the greater Oklahoma City area and it's it's like a town of two thousand. Right. Know? Yeah. That's why I'm here. I, I I mean literally uh a month before the team announced it they were moving from Seattle to Oklahoma City, I was at league meetings and of course all of my peers were saying, Hey, are you gonna go to Oklahoma City if the team moves? And I was like I don't think so, man. <laughs> right. I've been well, there. I mean, you were from Houston, yeah, right? I, yeah, I, I'm from Houston, and I'd been here before. I, I, I came here in 1988. I flew in on Southwest Airlines, took a cab downtown wow. to the Greyhound station, waited for a bus for about 14 hours, <laughs> and then took a bus to Elk City to pick up a truck for my dad. Everything you said about that, that's weird. Well, Everything. well that was my only yeah. perception of Oklahoma City. And honestly, it was in... 88 and I was an 18 year old kid from Houston. Right. So it was, it was different, but so when they announced, you know, Mr. Bennett announced the team was going to relocate to Oklahoma city and, um, was looking to really bring his staff with them, um, to Oklahoma and really thought it was important to establish the team. And I had done it before, you know, I did it with the rockets when we moved from the summit to Toyota center downtown, um, I did it with Charlotte when we moved from the Coliseum to what was the Charlotte Bobcats arena now time Warner cable, I think. And uh, so it was kind of my, my experience and what I did. So I'm like, I'll go, you know, I'll help set things up and I'll maybe be there for two years. Mm. And here I am, you know, 12 years later, it's because of the community. It's because of the city. It's because of Mr. Bennett and the ownership group and the leadership at, at the Oklahoma city thunder 
that keep me here. I, I you know, it's, it, it's, you know, yeah, because surely, well, I, and I, I'm not going to say it, but surely you've had offers from other teams. I mean, or at least potential. Because, I mean, when you're winning awards and you're the guy that's, it's going to rise and fall on you. It's going to hit your shoulders. I'm not going to blame me if it sucks, right? <laughs> right, yeah. No, I do, I do, I, I've been recruited and my team gets recruited. The sure. People on my on my staff. And some of them done some freaking awesome things. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They, they go on to, to you know, and it, it's, it's really a great, and I've, I've told people, the reason I left the Rockets, I never thought I'd leave the Rockets because I grew up a Rockets fan. I had been there, you know, I'd done four years in the sound room and then I got hired on full time in 2000 to do what I'm doing now, essentially. But I was the manager. I was actually first the assistant manager of game operations. And then uh, they promoted me to manager. But I was doing the job of the director. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they weren't real big on promotions and giving raises. And, I, you know, I knew that I was going to have to go somewhere else to get what I was worth. And I didn't care. I was going to stay in Houston. Right. Because I loved, you know, I loved the team and, you know, I was having a good time and I loved the people that I worked with. And I got an offer in Charlotte to, for, you know, because they came to Houston. They said, we really like what you did. Would you tour us around? And uh, so I gave them a tour and talked to them about how we kind of rebranded everything and added a drum team and, a, you know, a, a, a tumbling team and all this other stuff, you know, a three ring circus, if you will. And uh you're they, like a modern day PT Barnum. <laughs> no, <laughs> they called a couple weeks later. They say we really love what what you uh, did there in Houston. Would you be interested in coming to talk to us? You know about the team in Charlotte because we're getting a team, and we're going to have to start things from scratch. And it looks like you've got you've done a really good job with that. And so I went there with just. I was going to to the interview for the experience. I wasn't going to take the job. Somebody once told me, "Don't ever pass up the opportunity to interview." Sure. Yeah. I went and. They made me an offer I couldn't refuse. I went there and I was there for three years and, and then I ended up in Seattle kind of doing the same thing for them, knowing that either we were going to open a new building in Seattle or we were coming to Oklahoma City. Either way, my experience was going to help. And so there you have it. I, hmm. I ended up in Oklahoma City. And where did I, where, where did I, 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 I digress a little bit there. Where, where did we start and why did I go to that? Don't know, don't care. Randy, go ahead. <laughs> no, I, I was just going to ask you, you know, John, 1988 Oklahoma City, when you were here catching the bus, was much different than 2008 Oklahoma City. What did you think when you came back here? Because the city really was a lot different than it was in 1988. Well, in 1988, I, you know, I was, I took the cab from the airport to the Greyhound station thinking my bus was going to leave within an hour and a half of my arrival there. Well, it kept getting delayed and delayed and then they put me on the wrong bus. Uh, but that whole overnight, <laughs> it was funny. I'm this 18 year old kid. I'm like this, there was this other guy there. It was supposed to be going on the same bus. He's like, Hey, you want to go get a beer somewhere? I'm like, okay. So we go to the uh, liquor store and he buys us a six pack of beer. And we just sit out, out on the par- in the parking lot at the Greyhound station and drink beer. Did he then proposition you later? No, or? no, 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 it wasn't. No, it wasn't. No, it, it wasn't funny. the best area to in 1988 you know i'm sitting here just processing that going like oh man that was you just dodged a bullet yeah no no really really maybe literally really kind of a fun you know uh just way to kill time we just chatted you know he's a dude from sacramento and he was there just i can't remember why he was in oklahoma city but he was going back to sacramento and uh anyway i um i uh went to uh elk city uh finally got to elk city about 
two o'clock the next afternoon. <laughs> and then I proceeded to drive a truck from Elk City, Oklahoma to Kerrville, Texas, mm. having not slept at all. Wow. Uh, and my, yeah. my, but you were 18. So I was 18. Yeah. yeah I would say invincible. by the time I got into Kerrville, I was like, I was pretty, yeah, I was pretty tired anyway. Um, but Oklahoma city in 1988 to me was a truck stop and that's, that's all I remembered. Yeah. Uh, but in 1989, that's the thing. You're just a year too late. Cause well, in 1989 we celebrated our centennial. Well, they also had the, uh, the Olympic festival, the Olympic in, festival in, uh, right. 1989 that Clay Bennett was very much involved yeah. in. He was the chairman of that uh, festival. And the, and the reason I say that is that was my perception. Yeah. I, oh, didn't, right. I did not get the opportunity yes. to know That was the a people. perception of right. people who lived here in 1988. <laughs> I was right, going to say, you're not unique in that. No, right. no, no, no. That's so, why I say 1988 Oklahoma City was nothing like what it was like in 2008. Because in 1988, the maps, nobody, maps project didn't exist. Nobody right. even thought about it. And then the whole revitalization of downtown and what it's, and now, now it's even more than what it was then. So Oklahoma City now is a much different place than it was now, even in 2008. Yeah. And, and coming from Seattle where the, you know, in August, we moved in August the pedestrian traffic in August <laughs> oh, is yeah. crazy in Seattle. You didn't even think about jaywalking. You get a ticket like that. We used to look out our window and watch our coworkers get tickets for <laughs> jaywalking in Seattle. Uh, but we moved here and we came downtown Leadership Square, where uh, our offices were uh, for the first yeah, couple of years. I remember that. And I remember thinking to myself, where is everybody? <laughs> right? Yeah, they're in, yeah. they're in Edmond. I was like, you could, yeah, I was like, you could, you could fire a cannonball down the sidewalk downtown at noon and not hit anybody. Right. And I, I was like, but, and then I realized, well, you know, maybe it was OU Texas weekend or something, you know? <laughs> uh, but then I realized, you know, the people used in that, in, in that uh, time of year, it was really hot. People would use walk around in those tunnels downtown and stuff, right. or they'd eat in their offices, but there wasn't as much pedestrian. Now, traffic. a lot of people even here in Oklahoma city don't know about the tunnels in Oklahoma city. Even I know about the tunnels. I know. And they're actually good because you can leave from the the Cox Center and get all the way to Leadership Square without having to go outside. Exactly. The no, tunnels it takes, is like a whole new world. You walk twice as far, but... Who cares? And it's is awesome. it still called... I mean, back in 1988, it was the Con, C-O-N-N course is what Con they call Con course. Con yeah. course. It was named after a guy named... Yeah. You know, is it still bad or do they just call them the tunnels now? I, I haven't been... I, I, don't, I know. don't know. I, I just think it's kind of cool. There's some cool artifacts down there and pictures and, and uh, you know, there's a lot of... Like you'll see stuff like that in Indianapolis or different really cold markets because that's how people get around in right. the freezing cold. Yeah. But I think it's cool that we have it. I wish that it continued from the Cox Convention Center or what was the Cox Convention Hung Center over. to the arena because yeah. then we could have, instead of when, when we used to park and work at leadership and then do the games at, at the arena, it, we had pretty much either walk the tunnels or walk yeah. outside or drive. There's and, no way to get into the Chesapeake Arena without getting into the weather. Right, exactly. Period. And hopefully, and in Oklahoma City, there's weather. Hopefully, yeah. that'll change. I mean, there's there's more. You know, we're, the building is constantly evolving, and uh, you know, our our team is always looking for ways to make it a better experience, uh, not just uh, for the game night, but when you come for a concert or, uh, you know, and, and the ASM folks are involved in that, and and you know, just the amenities, and then being able to potentially get into the building without having to, you know, with right. parking garages and whatnot. But but back to the 2008. Once I got here and I, you know, 
made my way around and started meeting people, I was like, man, I love this place. I felt like I was at home. Yeah. Because you know, Houston was really filled with Southern hospitality growing up. And, you know, people were friendly and they talked to each other and they looked at each other in the eye and engaged and opened the door and shook hands. And when I came here, I was like, man, I, I think I was here for, for, for a day before I got invited to somebody's house for a barbecue and, and uh, <laughs> right. to watch the OU game. You know? Now, you, when you moved here, when you moved to Oklahoma City, if I'm not mistaken, you were single. I was a single father of three. Yes. First thing I did was find a, a gated uh, a, a neighborhood <laughs> because I wanted to send my kids to a good school because of my work schedule. I found a, a nice, small, modest house in Oakdale and, and uh, the bus picked them up, even though the school was across the street. Oh, well, there <laughs> yeah, it is. It, it was pretty, pretty, pretty good setup for me being a single father because it picked them up. Uh, right outside of our house and drove them across the street and dropped them off. <laughs> and the reason they did that is because Hefner is right. kind of a you know busy two-way road to expect kids of uh, the elementary age to uh, walk walk across. But yes, yeah, so I was here as a single uh, father of three, and uh, it was it was great. People were awesome. The school was great. Um, you know, just meeting everybody, uh, getting to know the everybody was really interested in what we did and how we did it. And, um, and I thought it was, you know, a great experience. And, and, and again, it's, it's a big part of why I'm still here uh, yeah. working in Oklahoma city. Well, and it's what I, I bring that up because what's interesting to me is you, you've gotten married. Um, you, you found your wife. I won't say you met your wife here because you met her before <laughs> here, right? I did. Yes. It's a great story to me. And, and obviously I know it for a number of reasons, but I'd like you to tell it. It's well, a very sweet story. Thank you. So there was this young girl named Jennifer uh, Thompson uh, at, at the, uh, I think she's probably 16 or 17 years old when I was 26, 27. And I was involved, you know, married. I had my, my oldest kid who's now 24, 20, about to turn 24, was just born. And um, I had this friend that, you know, when I worked in radio, uh, who was doing videos for the radio station. Like I do a live broadcast. And this is in Houston. In right? Houston, yep. yeah. I do a live broadcast at the club and the radio station would send a videographer out there to get video. And um, this guy, Scott, brought this girl with him who was like 16 years old. I'm, the only reason I even looked at her is because like, she looked like a kid. She had a teddy bear. Like, what's she doing here at this club? She had a teddy bear backpack <laughs> on. I'm like, how does this kid get in this club? <laughs> right. What are you doing carrying a kid around with you? This is a, an adult club, whatever, you know, night, nightclub. And um, anyway, it was Jennifer Thompson. And she would come every now and then with him to shoot the video because she was the light she was interested in becoming a videographer and learning the business. And so she was an intern, if you will, with him. And, uh, anyway, I think one day I was on the air at, um, at the buzz in Houston and, uh, I was giving away a thousand dollars and I, I said, call her 10 wins and you know, call her one, call her two, call her three. If you know how you go down those lines, <laughs> right? <laughs> call her I was on the web guy. So it was okay. a different, but yeah, <laughs> call her your caller 10. Who's this? John Leach, this is Jennifer Thompson. Do you remember me? I'm like, Jennifer, can you hold on a second? Hold. First thing you say is, do you remember me, right? I, I, so I run to the uh, our promotions director at the time, Ethel Miller. I'm like, hey, uh, call her 10. I'm, I'm, you know, I know the person, but not real well. You know, but I know there's some, I don't want it to seem shady or whatever. Right. Do I need to find another winner or should I give her the prize? 
She's like, oh, if it's legit, give her the prize. I'm like, okay. So I go back. I'm like, Jennifer, you're caller 10. You win a thousand bucks, you know, whatever. And, and she's like, ah, you know, you can hear she's with some friends in the background. Yeah. <laughs> you play your sound hits, right? But that was just one of the ironies. Um, so I didn't, I never thought about her, never thought twice about her. Um, and then we ended up moving to San Diego and then I moved to Charlotte, North Carolina, as we talked about. And then I moved to Seattle and then I came to Houston and I mean, uh, Oklahoma city. And this is 12 years, 13 years later, uh, at, from that time when I was in radio. And so knowing, you know, that I was the music guy for the rockets and that was, you know, and that's really big part of what I do for NBA experience, the music position, it was really important for me to find the right person to do that. So I used to fly in my guy that used to do the rockets for me. I'd fly him in to do games in, he, in yeah, Oklahoma city. I remember him. He's a good dude. Johnny Jopio. Yeah. And I told Johnny, I said, Hey, go around to some of the clubs, talk to people, call the radio stations. Let's find somebody that's going to be good for this position. Cause obviously I can't fly you in, you know, every game. Um, and so he and I kind of had this, uh, goal to recruit somebody. And we found a guy named Benjamin Huckabee and, uh, we all know, we all know him as uh, DJ boom. Yes. And He's going to be on the podcast. He's already like agreed to it. We just have to find I a can't time. wait to listen to that. I one. cannot wait to have him <laughs> because <laughs> this button right <laughs> is going to be used all the time. <laughs> oh yeah, he's he's a good guy, and and you know what? It's funny because the back to the story of, of me and Jennifer, um, the girl with the teddy bear backpack. Um, I told Johnny, you go bring a. He's like, I got the perfect guy. His name's Ben Huckabee. He's the DJ at Sky Bar. I talked to him. He loves the NBA. He's really creative. I said, bring him in. I want to meet him. So they brought him in. He brought, brought him in. I met him. I said, hey, will you, we will say, why don't you shadow for a couple of games and see how you liked it? So he shadowed for a couple of games, and he's like, I definitely want the job. You know, I definitely want the job. And I'm like, all right, all good. I said, I said let's get things worked out. I'm on a trip to Houston, and, and then uh, we'll, when I get back, we'll, we'll, we'll square up. And I get a text from Ben Huckabee uh, while I'm in Houston and said, Hey, do you know a girl named Jennifer Thompson? I'm like, uh, I had to think. I'm like, Oh yeah. So I reply, the girl with the teddy bear backpack. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I work with her. And, um, I'm like, what? She's in Oklahoma city. And, uh, I guess he was, she was a bartender at sky bar and, um, he was talking to her about, Hey, I'm, 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 uh, doing, um, going to be doing music for the for the nba team the thunder and she's like oh that's awesome that's cool i kind of used to know the guy who did it for the rockets back in houston um but uh, but uh, but but yeah that's anyway and he's like the i think my boss used to do it for the rockets in houston the guy that's hiring me she's like <laughs> is his name john leach and he's like yeah that's his name that's wild and so anyway he texts me and that's why i'm like is it the girl with the teddy bear backpack and <laughs> He said, yeah, she laughed and he said, you should give her a call. Uh, and I'm like, okay, I'm still thinking she's like, you know, 15, 16 right. years old. Right. I'm, like, right. I'm like, okay, it's but a she's a bartender now, you know, obviously. And I'm like doing the math. I'm like, oh, she's got to be in her late twenties. Anyway. So I went up to, um, to, uh, sky bar and, uh, it was early. Cause I didn't want to, I, I was, I didn't want to go up, you know, late or whatever. And I didn't even know if she was working. I was actually going to see Ben Huckabee. And I saw her, I walked up to the bar and I saw her talking to another girl. And then there was another bartender and I, st I stood there and then she turned and looked at me. She says, John Leach. And I go, I looked at her with the dead stare and I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> 
and wow. then she, and she turned oh. and she turned back around and continued her conversation <laughs> with the uh, girl she was talking to. Do you have your beep uh, ready? I've read it. Yeah. And I said, um, "What do you got to be John Leach to get a beer around here?" <laughs> And so the other bartender comes over and he goes, what do you want? I said, give me, give me a Bud Light. And I started walking away and my phone buzzes and she's like, you a-hole. You know? But, and then the rest is, uh, the rest is the written story. Uh, we, we, I, I asked her to go out after we met out a couple times, just casually for, for drinks and, and hanging out and friends. And, and, uh, I took her to a movie. Uh, we went to dinner in a movie and I found that was the first time on our first date. I figured out that she has one of those audio sensory disorders. Mm. Um, that means that like she gets really annoyed by people eating popcorn. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. And, and uh, yeah, yeah. And so my popcorn eating habits are not the best. I mean, I like popcorn. <laughs> But anyway, we I mean, some, who doesn't? We Come somehow on. managed to weather that storm, and here we are, you know, 12, 13 years later. Uh, we've got a 10-year-old daughter, and she's been a, a great mother and, and a mother to my, uh, my, my three older children. And I will say it was a, a, an honor to have uh, Jeremy Griffin uh, marry us. Oh, man. Wow. As a pastor. I don't know if it's an you honor, know, but... that's one of the coolest stories I've ever heard. Isn't about that great? <laughs> that is really good, yeah. Hey, you know, at 12 years... Uh, three cities and you know all that time couldn't couldn't keep couldn't us keep apart it, yeah, yeah, that's right so. that's awesome well what's man. cool that to me awesome. about that that you were the first wedding i ever did uh-huh and, and the last and almost <laughs> i've only done one other but it's funny because i've been asked to do several others and um i'm kind of an ocd guy so i'm i'm like well i'm i'm batting a thousand like these marriages have to last or i'm not going to do it so right. i mean i remember sitting you down because it was kind of quick relatively quick and and I'm like, all right, you guys know what you're getting into. Like, it was a crash course in counseling. And, and of course, knowing this story already at that time, yeah. you know, the history was definitely there. But, um, but yeah, I love that story. And Jennifer's freaking awesome, man. I love hanging out with you guys. And I I, I thought even for Randy, obviously our listeners, but even for Randy, I didn't, I didn't think you knew that story. No, well, you, no, you know, there's all. one other funny uh, part about that. And I, and I don't know, obviously I'm, I, I'm a, um, I'm conservative, you know, I've never, I wouldn't, you know, I was, you know, in, in a relationship, I've always been very committed. Um, but I was listening to, uh, uh, there's a guy in Houston that used to record all of my live broadcasts at the club and it was the spin cycle at Tantra at the time. And it was recycled club hits of the eighties. Oh, wow. But, um, so I guess that was one of the nights when she was there with Scott uh, doing the video and I used to put people on the air all the time because that was my, my, my deal. I'd, you know, show people having a good time, talk to them, where are you from? So she was there and I was like, put her on the mic and we were, t and she was talking back to me and it was the weirdest thing because you could really tell she was totally infatuated with I was going to say time. she was so into you it was she? funny because I didn't I never even recognized it and I'm like and it's probably because she was 17 <laughs> thank or god whatever. you didn't yeah. recognize it right <laughs> well no it just what it At wasn't time, like right? that but it but yeah she's like yeah, she's she's like I was really infatuated with you uh it's it's 17 years old you know wow. I'm like well, what, what could, I mean, you know, I had the long hair and, you know, I was a radio disc jockey. And <laughs> yeah. Well, in the 80s, out. radio disc jockey was a rock hey, let's star. Let's not go right? back too far. 90s. This was the 90s. Sorry, 90s. In the 90s. <laughs> this was like 96, 97. <laughs> yeah. But we were talking about the 80s when I came to Oklahoma okay, City for the right, first time. Okay, that's right. That's right. Sorry. 80s, 90s. <laughs> it all blurs together. 
It certainly does for me. Let me tell it you. It might it. be that colored uh, water you have in your glass hey, over there. It's the fourth one. We're fine. All right. That's why the studio's at my house and not somewhere on location. Uh, my goodness. All right. So here's what. <laughs> that's such a great story, John. Thanks for sharing that. Hey, you know that's good stuff. Um, How many people are going to hear it? Three, four. On this podcast? Yeah. I think we got like 56 or something. Oh, nice. I haven't checked my stats recently. Are we live? No. Okay. Well, I'm glad you, I'm, I'm glad I didn't choose I can't, to go. I can't trust this group to go live. <laughs> like there's some, there's some, I mean, I'll go live with some people, but not this group. And I was just kidding about the numbers. I knew you had a lot of people. No, it's all right. Well, 56 isn't a lot. Yeah, I think it is. If I, I was mean, in a room, if I was on, in a room hey, with fifty six people, I'd be intimidated. Well, that's right the now. thing. Depends on the size of the room, brother. Well, that's true, <laughs> right? Well, and let me I be. Mean, hey. I mean, like you never can tell. You know what I learned? Okay, so you know my time with the Thunder. You know, it, it's an interesting thing for me because you know when we Lori and I both ran sound for the Thunder in the first the early years. Lori, for those listening who don't know, this is my wife. Um, anyway, I don't know what I was going to say. She is now, definitely so the better half. She is. You're you like you like me. You you I married up. Yeah. I married up. She's one of those girls that didn't know who she was. Like, you know, in high because I met her in high school. Like I saw her when I was sixteen years old and I thought she was older than me. She was younger than me, but uh, that's why I couldn't figure out why I had never seen her before. Because she's in junior high. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm like, like she literally lived across the street from me, and I'm like, oh my god, you know those moments where Dreamweaver plays in your head? Yeah. And you, <laughs> so I, she lived across the street. I look into the garage of this house across the street from me, and I see this redhead goddess on the phone. You know, not a cell phone because that was back in the '90s. Um, not that we didn't have cell phones then, but she didn't have cell phone, and uh, I didn't either. But Anyway, I was like, man, I got to find this girl. And I never did. And then the next school year, she was now in high school. I'm like, oh, my gosh, she's younger than me. I've got a shot at this. <laughs> so anyway, we became friends. It was kind of weird, actually, with her and I, because I was dating two other girls uh, at the time. And I, I wouldn't consider myself a player. This is the only time in my player. life. You are a player. I if am you had not. Two, if player. you had two girlfriends at the same time One and time, you were looking at another girl. What? <laughs> Well, I got cocky. You sound like I'm, me back in the 80s, dude. <laughs> I, know, I mean, hey. I've always been a one-woman man. Well, I it was, you know, that's a story for another podcast. <laughs> and a, a different, when it's when I'm the biography, not other people. But all that to say, she was like privy to all of what was going on. And so the fact that she agreed to even go on a date with me is a miracle. Oh, nice. Um, but yeah, so we, we're coming up actually this year. I don't know why I look at my watch because nothing's changed. But this year... Um, in October is our 25 year anniversary. Wow, that's awesome. Congratulations. Congratulations. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm excited about it. I actually feel the pressure because I feel like I got to do something big and I'm like, well, well, yeah, well, but I mean with COVID, I'm not really going to, we're going to stay, we're probably going to go to the backyard and cook out. <laughs> well, you know, at least you've got a really nice backyard. You've got I'm a new so patio excited about my new you patio. Got, uh, tiki torches out there. It's a whole deal. I want to give a shout out to Austin Rogers. If you guys need concrete work, he's the man. Love this guy. He's been doing commercial concrete work for years, and this is an unpaid advertisement. He just does a great job. All right. I will say he did a nice job. I looked yeah. out the window when I he first He did pretty good. Well, yeah. when we, we're done the podcast, we'll go out there, and and I don't know what. We'll look at it. We'll walk on it. <laughs> it's it doesn't. Can we, can, we, can we do some sidewalk chalk? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, we cannot. It's new. You can do it on the driveway. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so here's what I want to talk about. We got about 20 minutes left, and I want to talk about 
uh, something's interesting because for me, I, you know, I was with the Thunder uh, doing regular games all the way up into COVID, and it's more coincidental that I wasn't connected during COVID. But, um, you know, here the, the uh, NBA season resumed after the bubble last year and then into this season. So I want to talk to you a little bit about the challenges that you faced as the entertainment director <laughs> for a, an NBA crowd that doesn't exist. Well, the crowd does exist. They're just not in the building. The virtual crowd. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, no, I mean, we, we haven't done, we don't, we have a virtual experience for the run out, the 20 minute run out when the players hit the court for the first time with Michelob Ultra. But um, as far as, uh, you know, people are watching the broadcast. Yeah. But as far as I'm concerned, and I've told our, our crew on, on headset, you know, without fans, when we first started, we were like, we didn't really know what to do. It was weird because the league mandated the crowd sweetener, which is the fake uh, crowd noise, which is very intricate. Pro- I That's mean, like, where Ryan's at now, yeah. right? It's very, That's cool. you, you know, there, it's very well thought out. There's various levels of murmur, crowd murmur and cheering and noise makers and all this other stuff. So you have to be really, it's like, almost like you're a musician playing a song. And so without fans, it, it, it was a little bit weird at first. And, and, um, you know, we didn't, we, we were so known for, um, riding that wave of momentum and maximizing those moments, those those energy moments and really carrying them over throughout the game. And so without fans, uh, I, after the second game, I just told, I told Mario and I told the guys on headset, Mario, our PA announcer, I said, Hey, let's stop treating this like a game without fans and let's start treating it Mm. like a game with fans. That's good. And so, at that point, we all just Mario. I, you know, Mario's going defense. You well, know, Mario's awesome. Yeah, he's, yeah, 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 yeah. And then you know the crowd sweeteners get a little bit louder, and the video group, the guys are putting up uh, prompts on the scoreboard, and and it really made a huge difference. Mm. And it, I think it was that it might have been that game. Was it the Rockets? I can't remember, but it was. So we got this swell of energy, and we really noticed a difference, and uh, it it did translate on the court and the yeah. way the guys play because that's really what we're all about here in Oklahoma City is really letting the fans kind of uh, help that team push them along you know and so we we've, we've been doing that and it's it's not it's not ideal i mean i'd rather have 18,200 plus uh Oklahoma City Thunder fans in the building but it's the best we have right now and i think we're we're doing it the best we can and mm-hmm. uh, i've been really proud of our group and and how they've kind of bought into it and and participated because it really does make a difference for the people also watching at home on tv because when the players are, are or they feel like there's energy they play a little bit harder they they um they get a little bit more motivated and uh you know it, it it is the way that system is designed that that crowd noise is pointed straight at the court from uh from a crowd seating level um on a separate sound system and it really sounds like the crowd is coming like if you stand center court and you're hearing the crowd noise you wouldn't even know you wouldn't would even you? know and sometimes you forget like because we'll be doing the game and then once the game's over mario d- doesn't have to be like you know good night drive home safely right. anymore he's just like the game's <laughs> over <laughs> right? <laughs> right so when the game's over and we hit the button to turn off the crowd sweetener it goes, it goes from off. like game atmosphere to <laughs> silence and it's like yeah. oh and it takes some getting used to but i have that, a cricket sound effect yeah, i just had to pull up but yeah so it's it's really weird it, it'll make the hair on your arm stand up when you when you experience it for the first time it's it's weird but again we've you know the league i think the nba 
uh, as as an organization uh, has done the best in handling the COVID situation um, as far as, you know, how they, you know, did the bubble and, you know, were able to finish out last they season. They kind of became a model for a lot of other leagues. They, they did. Yeah. And just the, the protocols with testing and whatnot and the, the players. I mean, you don't, you hear about ba- baseball guys getting, you know, held out and, you know, half a team can't play because of COVID. And, and you don't hear that so much with the NBA because they've been very, very meticulous in, in how they've set these kind of standards for these guys and asked everybody, you know, knowing, you know, we're going to have to make sacrifices if we want to make this happen. And I, I think everybody had bought into it. And, and, you know, I have to go get tested twice per game. I had to go get tested this morning um, because I'm in, you know, in the red zone is what it's called in the, mm-hmm. in the you know, at the press table. And, uh, they just want to make sure that everybody's, you know, safe. And, uh, so I think, you know, the league's done a great job, uh, all things considered without any fans, we're one of the few markets yeah. that doesn't have fans. And, uh, I think that's okay. I think when, when we are allowed to get fans back in the building, they're going to notice not just, how great it is to be back, but they're going to notice a big difference. I say a big difference. You know, we, we're obviously a traditional uh, franchise and, and team, but it, the experience is going to be fun. They're going to they're going to they're going to notice a lot of new fun stuff, and it's going to be I think great for everybody. I think you know one thing that's that one of the people people who will really notice it are the new players, the players who not played in Oklahoma City in front of fans before and. I got to, you know, the NBA, I think, has done a great job. You mentioned the bubble. I thought their innovation of having virtual fans, I thought that was tremendous. I thought Major League Baseball, I like baseball's idea of fans taking photos of themselves and then, you know, putting the, the placards, cardboard yeah, yeah. the cardboard cutouts. Uh, but when you talk about, <laughs> I, I mean, this is a true story, but it, I just, it's funny. Because you mentioned that, you know, you said, hey, let's go from doing things the way, because there's nobody here, let's do them the way if fans were really here in the building. And for that sort of experience, I got to tip my cap to the Philadelphia Eagles of the NFL. I was watching one of their games. And, you know, this was back when nobody was nobody was around. But it's Philly. And they apparently had decided to do the same thing. Let's pretend that there really are people in the audience. And there was a bad call on the field. And over the <laughs> boo. over the mic, no, it wasn't boo. It was, ref, you suck. <laughs> ref, you suck. Ref, you suck. I mean, it's Philly, oh, dude. Wow. So you talk about doing a you know recreation of, hey, let's pretend there really are people. Yeah, Bill Hooker's got to be loving that, right? <laughs> yeah, as an Eagles fan, yes. Exactly. That's yeah, hilarious. That's funny. But yeah. seriously, though, I mean, you guys, and I've watched a bunch of the games on television, and it does, it's got to make a difference to where they're, I mean, I can't, you know, players who are so used to, whether you are have been in the NBA forever or you're just out of college, or maybe in the case of a couple guys on the Thunder just out of high school. Right you've always had fans you've always had that noise in the building and to go from the only thing you hear are the squeak of sneakers has got to be a little it's like summer league (laughs) well yeah i guess it would be like summer league but it's got to be a little unnerving when when you don't hear you know you've made a great play and you don't hear the roar of the crowd or you're on the road and you're not booed every time you you come out 
And so I think to at least have the the noise that you can put in there with the music and the fake bands, you know, whatever, that's got to help the players to a certain extent. It's not obviously like you have a real audience in there, mm-hmm. but it's got to help them a little bit to keep their energy going. Yeah. No, it, it, it definitely makes a huge difference. I mean, from not doing anything at all and then just the intricacies with uh, the various levels and you know we get up louder and louder we get into the fourth quarter we're really pushing it uh, especially for a close game and it, it does it it makes a huge difference and uh, you know we we were always doing the sweetener but we were we were just during the first couple of games we were just like oh you, you know you play it here and you play it here but no there's really an emotion to it uh, sure. and you really have to put yourself in that mm-hmm. that mindset that you're you know, in a game with fans and that they're behind you and they're screaming and they're jumping up and, you know, making noise for, for a, a basket or, or a great, you know, um, hustle play. So yeah, we, we've, we've kind of, you know, and I, I can't say we've perfected it by any stretch, but we've, we've figured it out and, and it's made a huge difference. Well, it probably sure. helps too that, you know, and I assume Ryan is the one that's still doing the sweetener position is right ryan is yeah ryan is one of them tim and chris and juan okay so you got several guys so i I look at that and just say you know even juan and some of the guys that i used to work with you know these are guys that know the game and know the crowd Mm -hmm. without knowing that it would just be a crapshoot right absolutely yeah and and for those of you don't know juan is the he does music for the uh oklahoma city blue and Chris is the PA announcer for the Oklahoma City gotcha. Blue, and so he uh, he wanted to be involved, and I wanted him involved in Juwan as well uh, to to do this. And they are both big fans, and like you said, they're, they know the game, they know when they know the fans, and the same goes for uh, Tim Miller, who's a, a young. Uh, uh, audio guy who's picked it up really well, and then Ryan, of course. Is I feel great. like I've met Tim. If I met Tim, Timothy Miller. Yeah, he's um, AS, ASM at, at UCO. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Kid that uh, he that he uh, he shadowed me a couple times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's Good kid. he's really picked up well, and and um, yeah, it's it's a uh, you know uh, we won't hopefully we won't need that audio sweetener next year, and right. uh, we'll get those guys back in their normal rotation with their normal yeah. positions and. And, uh, you know, it'll, it'll hopefully we'll be all back to normal and making fans happy. So this is something I want to talk about. Oh, go ahead, Randy. No, I, well, I was just going to say, you know, this team at one point had three players on it that eventually became MVPs right now. They're in the throes of an 11 game losing streak and whatever, 12 out of 13 losses or whatever. But in fans that I talked to who are watching it on television, there are a lot of people that love this team. Mm Mm-hmm. Because, and I think, you know, you have so many guys that in many cases, most people hadn't even heard of, right? you know, before they were playing. And you look at what guys like Alexei Pokashevsky has done. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a couple of times, you know, he's done things that no other Thunder rookie has ever done. Teo Maladone mm-hmm. has, has had huge games. Pokashevsky and Maladone together you know, here a few games ago, each had 25 points. And I think it was the first time since, I guess, Russ and Kevin probably had uh, similar type games. Mm-hmm. And Poku the other night with that, uh, he was first player since, first rookie since LeBron James to have a at least five points, five assists, five rebounds, and five blocks. Yeah. Mm. So they're a guy, and other Moses Brown, some of these other guys. Steve Yes. Now, some people around here remember Speed when he played for KU. Mm-hmm. But 
there are guys who have young guys who have shown that you know what you give these guys another year a couple years who knows what they could be doing and then the fact that the thunder are working with three million draft picks three million (laughs) i think you know the number is like i think over the next seven years they have 34 picks over the next seven years 17 of the 34 in the first round and knowing Sam Presti's history, what this team could become in the relatively near future is really exciting to a yeah, lot Yeah, just of so folks. you know, I'll be back in a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, it is. You know how now, and, yeah. and I agree. Sam Sam is brilliant. I mean, he, he you know, you know, we had the big names, you know, and we, we, we had them. We brought them with us, you know, and, and uh and they, they were a young team, and they weren't that great. I forget what we were, our first three and 27. Uh, and, well, you know, I, I mean, the, I remember that, that first year, <laughs> you know, they were when, – uh, when P.J. got fired, I think they were 1-13, and and Scotty takes over, and in his first 14 games, he was 1-13 also. And then came the New Year's Eve game. Yeah. And they won, and everything started to turn around. And the second half of the season, they were right around 500, if I remember right, yeah. and were playing tremendously. And then, you know, Kevin Durant became Kevin Durant. Russ was in after PJ was let go. Scotty started started Russ, and he did some things that no other rookie had done at, at that time. Yeah, it was uh, Earl Watson Harden. was a starter before that, right? Earl, right. Earl yeah. Watson was a starting point guard who, I mean, you know, I really liked Earl. I thought sure. he was, you know, a great guy. He's former coach on the NBA but obviously the future was going to be Russ and so Scotty was like well you know really at this point you know we're obviously we're not going to really contend for a playoff spot so we might as well see how this guy if he can be a starting point guard in the NBA which is I think a lot of what Mark is dealing with now Mm -hmm. you know when you sit guys like Al Horford and Mike Muscala and you keep you know if, if the team was in contention Shea would probably be playing now and that sort of thing. But really, you want to find out what these guys can do. Are they going to be able to help you going down the road, or are they not? Because you're not going to make the playoffs, so you might as well find out about these young young guys. Mm -hmm. And I think some of the things you're finding out is, yeah, some of these guys could be big-time NBA players in the future. And invaluable experience they're getting right now. Yes, yes. And we, and and we yeah we have we have the luxury to be able to do that and and I think that like you mentioned our fans are okay with that because they love this to see what these guys have and the hustle they they give every night and you know yeah. the commitment they have to the the you know the coaching methods and and whatnot they're 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 all in and uh, you know and that's it's it it makes it fun to watch we may not be winning uh, the games but. You know, I think some people and a lot of people are probably probably okay with that right now. You know what? I'll tell you a funny story. I've I've had I had a couple of Thunder fans earlier in the season. You know when when the older guys were playing and they actually you know had a pretty decent record yeah. for a team that you. Know, I had a couple of guys tell me, you know what? I think that new coach needs to be fired. <laughs> and I said, "What the hell are you talking about?" He's well, they're winning too much. What are you the hell? What are they doing? That sounds right. Well, you can't set a, send a guy out there and you know tell him not to play hard. Right, that's right, not, exactly. That's not in their DNA. Well, and that's not and, that's not Oklahoma City. Yeah, DNA. it's not Oklahoma right. City. And yeah. I think, and quite frankly, I think maybe that's one of the reasons that they're not playing Al Horford 
now. And they're not playing Mike Muscala now. Because you don't want I mean, they probably would win a lot of more a lot more games with those guys playing. But my understanding is Sam had a conversation with those guys and they get it. And so you want your young guys. And feel free to no comment on these, John. Because well, I'm not. I'm not saying. <laughs> I've been you trying know, to figure I'm, out how I'm, to, I'm how to not, I'm not gonna. But my my point is, you don't want to tell guys, "Hey, don't only give me seventy percent tonight." Mm. You want to tell them, "Give your all," but you want it. I think it's a much better strategy to you know what, Al, we're gonna sit you, Mike, we're gonna sit you. We know what you can do. Let's see what these young guys can do. Let's see what these guys just out of high school or guys that would normally still be in college or, you know, whatever. We want to see what they can do. And we're going to mix and match the lineups. You don't necessarily have to worry about telling a guy, you know, really, we really don't need to win this game. You know, go out there and play your best because we want to see what you guys can do paired with other young guys who probably have a future with this ball club. It's definitely exciting. The future, the future for the Thunder, are pretty exciting here because I, I mean, this to me, uh, knowing now what I know about Thunder basketball in general. Of course, you know we ran inside Thunder for three or four years and yeah. followed the team like that and carried that, um, you know, covered the team in that capacity. And I just I see to me the makeup of the of really what I think Sam wanted to bring from San Antonio, the the vibe and the atmosphere. Um, before we run out of time, this is something I want to talk about because I think uh, kind of going back to this COVID world, you know, we talked a little bit about no fans, but for all intents and purposes, the the real seriousness of the COVID uh, pandemic hit America on a very fateful night mm-hmm. where in a press conference, Utah Jazz player Rudy Gobert had been not feeling well. He touched the microphone at a press conference and talked about COVID come to find out tested positive for COVID. And that was a game against the Oklahoma city thunder and the NBA pulled the plug on that game. Can you talk a little bit about that night and what the surrealness of that moment? Sure. So uh, having done this and sat courtside for uh, 20 plus years, I'd never ever seen a coaching any, anybody from the coaching staff or a team doctor, much less run out to stop the tip. Yeah. And, you know, it was right before we were about to go into uh, tip off and, and uh, Donnie Strack ran out and, and uh, I just I knew because we had already been, you know, taking precautions. You know, we stopped using the player hallway just to avoid any cross contamination. We had take, took different elevators and we washed our hands more and, and uh, you know, things were getting cleaned off more often. So we had already been kind of taking these precautions and knew that it was fairly serious. Um that night, like I said, when Donnie ran out and I, I just looked at Mario and I said, buckle up, you know, and <laughs> um, something's not uh, <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah. And uh, we had no idea at the time. So, you know, I, I immediately text Brian Burns and, and, and say, hey, we're, um, you know, we're going to have a delay here. Uh, I'm going to fill the void and keep kind of people from getting unsettled and uh, nervous about the situation. So, you know, we ran out different stuff, did a t-shirt toss and right. our halftime act for the night who, uh, ironically, uh, F- Frankie J came in from Santa Cruz. We made him when he landed, go over to OU health 
and just get a wellness check to make sure because we didn't want to bring them into the building if there is potential, you know. Mm. Um, so we, like I said, we were already taking these precautions. And, but we had them, we sent them out there, turned the lights out. And at that point, um, you know, we kind of had an idea what was going on. We just didn't know who it was um, or how serious it was. And I think looking back, you know, we could all say that we, we thought in our heads somehow thought that if the guy across the room had COVID and you were in that same room that you were going to come, you were going to get it, you know? Right. So it was important for us to make sure the fans knew that they were, they were safe. Mm -hmm. And so I was, you know, again, with messaging, making sure it's consistent. Um, I know uh, our leadership was in the back hallway with, with Sam and, and, uh, uh, Dan Mahoney and Brian Burns and Mr. Bennett. And they were on the phone with, uh, Mr. Silver, our, uh, the league commissioner. And, um, when it was decided the game was going to be, uh, postponed, I got the message. I, I was waiting on the script. It was about halfway through Frankie J's set. Uh, so once the performance was over, we turned the lights up. I handed my phone to Mario and I said, please read this. Wow. And then I had him reiterate it. Well, when I first handed it to him, his thumb or my thumb hit the screen and kind of moved it. So, <laughs> I was, uh, so uh, but yeah, and that, that we, neither one of us knew the camera was on us at that time. And, yeah. and, and I think later that night we were looking, you know, I was getting blown up first of all sure. on my phone from people all, all over the country, my peers with other teams, dude, is everything okay? And uh, you know, ESPN, they put that video on their, uh, their, uh, website i mean on twitter and i think it had like six million views oh, yeah. by nine o'clock that okay. night um but yeah it was it was a very surreal experience i'd i'd been you know i've seen uh, i had a at a WNBA playoff game between the houston comets and the uh, utah stars a referee during a timeout standing from me to that other chair about three feet in front of me just fall flat line massive heart attack wow they surrounded him they're reviving it trying to revive him the defibrillator wasn't charged. They carried him into the back, um, you know, and, and were able to revive him. But the, the commissioner at the time, Val, uh, I forget her last name, Val. Anyway, she, uh, she was at the game and they decided to continue the game. So they don't cancel games for just anything, <laughs> right. you know? Um, and, 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 you know, he obviously the referee survived and made a full recovery, which, which is awesome. We actually brought him back the next year and honored him, um, because it was a, that was another surreal moment because, I, you know, you're, you're sitting there and there's a guy, you know, blue in the face on the court. Uh, you know, we had to get people to surround him and you've got 16,000 WNBA fans at a playoff game. What do you do? They, they don't train you on how to <laughs> yeah. respond. That's to not him. in the handbook. It's not in the handbook. So I look at our announcer, Maria Todd, who is our female PA, PA announcer for the, the comments. I, I said, um, tell people, say, if you have a faith, you know, mm. say a prayer. Um, and, uh, she said it, she was in tears Yeah. and one Comets fan yelled out in the silence, Hey, Comets fan, let's say the Lord's prayer mm, and wow. in, in unison, wow. 16,000 wow. people chimed in together and said incredible. the Lord's prayer. Yeah, it was amazing. And you know, it was, it was amazing how it happened so organically and you know, you never know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's he, some amazing moments. I remember, uh, so I had just kind of handed off my trainee Gavin to this world when that game was happening. And I remember he getting a text from him going, dude, something weird's happening. <laughs> He's like, what do I do? I don't know what to do. I'm like, follow what John says. Yeah. It's not that hard, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, but, I was, uh, I was up in the, you know, with everybody else up, up in the hockey press box, yeah. you know, way up high. 
And I remember, and everybody, you know, we're sitting around laughing and joking, waiting for the game to start. And I remember looking down, and uh, a lot of people, some, but not everybody up in the press box knew who Donnie Strack was. Mm-hmm. Well, I knew because, I mean, you know, I'd been to all the, you know, and I remember I saw him coming out, and I just said, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. And they said, what, what's going on? And I said, Donnie Strack has just run out onto the court something serious is about to go down mm-hmm. and i didn't know at that time i thought about covid or i thought about somebody with the team has had a medical emergency or somebody with the jazz has had a medical emergency mm-hmm. but you know like you're saying you know you don't i mean that doesn't happen right you don't see at that point of the, nobody comes running out of there and so i just thought I don't know where we're going with this but something yeah something bad has happened well, it's just really amazing to me to, to, to some of the impactful things that have happened to, to this team, even in its short time here in Oklahoma City. I say short relatively. I mean, it's been 12, 13 seasons. Are we in 14? I don't even know. I lose track. What well, is this, it? We came in 2008, so played 08, 09. Yeah. So it's our 13th season. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds, <laughs> put me works. on the spot. Sure, Sorry. yeah. How <laughs> old your kids? Me, Tell me that yeah. one too, right? <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> no, but but I was just thinking about, you know, the halftime show where the the, the uh, magical act. where the, We don't talk about that. I, I don't know. I'm talking to Randy. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny is that's weird because I, uh, you know, being the, the regular sound guy for the team, that day I was working for Fox Sports. And so I was on the court when that was yeah. happening. And if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, just go Google halftime show escape artist. I'll, I'll tell you, I will say that was staged and that was a publicity stunt. If you watch the video, and I know because I know... You're the guy. Yeah, I know because there is three and a half to four inches of air at the very top of that chamber, but it's covered by that metal rim. Uh, so you don't see it. Wow. So, but if you watch the video, she's, you know, trying struggling and he's tapping on the side. She goes up all the way to the top with her head, wow. takes a big breath and then pushes herself back down and pins her leg up against the side. And I, I, I thought that's what was going on. But in that moment, you're like, Oh, what's going on? I'm like, you know, uh, but another thing that gives it away is when he gets her out of the tank, he sits her on the edge of the tank and then he gets off and he leaves her eight feet off the ground. If she was just passed out and almost dead, you're not going to leave her sitting on the top of that rim and we're, you know, cause she could faint and fall and break her neck, you know? Anyway, we talked about it. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, man. Hey, why don't we talk about the scoreboard fire in Seattle? (laughs) Really? You didn't hear about oh, that one? I didn't no. hear about the scoreboards. Yeah, yeah. so we're it's a Sunday game. I had Mark. I forgot. I had Mark on the show. I, I mentioned all the Thunder folks that I had, and I forgot to say Mark. Mark? Mark. Oh, Mark. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to give it away, give there it away, yeah, yeah. but Mark. So Sunday game, kids, kids, kids game, um, we're in a timeout, and one of my spot ops is like, hey, there's smoke coming from the top of the scoreboard. I'm like, What? <laughs> He goes, yeah. And I'm like, okay. So I tilt my head down and look underneath the scoreboard, and there's a light engulfed in flames. Oh, my gosh. You know, I was wondering, it is Seattle. I wonder if maybe you first thought it was just some guy up there smoking a doobie. There you go. (laughs) It was probably a spot op if it was. Oh, there you go. I called the official over. I'm like, hey, come, come over here. And I said, hey, there's we're having a technical issue in the scoreboard. It's a small fire. 
I don't want to. I don't want to bring any attention to it because I don't want people to panic. But it's going to delay the game. So please, just be ready. The game's going to have to be delayed because we got to pull the scoreboard down. But please don't bring any attention to it because I don't want people to panic. <laughs> he turns around, screams to the other ref, points up at the scoreboard, and they both proceed to walk under the scoreboard with his arm pointed straight up. <laughs> Look, the f- light's on fire. Anyway. <laughs> So we lower the scoreboard, extinguish the flame, uh, pull the light out, and we're playing basketball within 15 minutes later. So, wow. but those are the kinds of things that you don't ever, you don't ever anticipate or prepare for. But you know, being in my position, you you are you're kind of like responsible for a lot of people right. because you have to make sure that there's no panic and there's no, uh, you know, you don't want people to worry. You don't want kids to start crying and stuff like that. And, uh, anyway, that's why the whole, uh, distraction thing and just keeping people, uh, avoiding people talking and saying, well, you know, what's going on? Does somebody have COVID and you know, this, that, and the other, yeah, that, that could have been a long, I think it was eight, uh, eight and a half or 10 minutes, something like that, uh, for the delay with COVID. Wow. With uh, Rudy Gobert. Yeah. And he was never yeah. even in the building. So there was really never. Right. right. And then it turned out Donovan Mitchell, if, if, if they were able, if they were tr- traveling all together in an airplane and the only other guy that got ended up getting sick from it was one guy. I mean that, you know, it, 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 it wasn't, you know, we would, we would have thought back then that itself. everybody on the team would have had sure. it. Right. Right. I mean, that was some of the speculation that, you know, we had going up. And, uh, you know, once we found out it was COVID, you know, we're like, well, geez, he was on the plane. They all must be infected. Yeah, Yeah, I was getting texts. You're not at the game, are you? Yeah, I know. It it was, uh, you know, it was crazy nuts at at that time. And then, you know, that was kind of the whole kickoff to everything. It really was. It was like the domino effect, you know. It was massive. I I had an event, uh, you know, I'm an avid paintball player. I had an event in in California, Corona, California, to be exact, (laughs) that was happening in March. And, and I knew when that happened, I'm like, well, this is going, this is going away. So yeah. I, I'm cancel all my plans. And I, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just interesting, you know, it, it, for all intents and purposes, Oklahoma city was ground zero for the sure. start of the shutdown. Yeah. And, um, and it all started with the NBA game and it, it's nice to see how things kind of unfold and, and we're getting back to, to somewhat normal. You know, if you want to know my political views on these particular things, you can listen, <laughs> you to, can scatter listen to scatter shooting. <laughs> I was just going to say, yeah, I'll do my best yeah. to hold off here. But you know, hopefully, hopefully, this coming season, at whether it's the Loves Shack or somewhere else, hopefully there'll be eighteen thousand two hundred screaming Thunder fans in there, John. I mean, I that would so. just be so great. Yeah, I hope so too. And I and I think it's a I think it's a good possibility, but time will tell. Yeah. Yeah. Well, John, thanks for being part of the show today, man. I appreciate you coming on. It was, it's always been awesome. I love our friendship, our relationship in general. And, and, uh, despite some of our tense moments working together, <laughs> uh, it's been a pleasure working with you and I love it. And, uh, Randy, thanks for joining us on conversation. Yeah, thanks, you, Randy. you bet. Good to see you, John. Good seeing you. It's just good stuff. And I want to thank all of you who joined us for this conversation today and, uh, you know, check out our more podcasts at streamgrace.com. You guys are awesome. I love you all. And we will see you next time.